0: Our scripture reading for today is from Mark chapter 7, verses 31, actually all the way through 37. I believe your bulletins might stop at 35. This is the word of the Lord. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him and taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it, and they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ.
1: We're good? Yeah. As Rachel was preparing this week, I encouraged her that she could spit when Jesus did in the story. In wisdom, she decided that wasn't a good idea. If God exists, and we are not him, And there is a curse. If something entered the world when Adam and Eve stopped trusting his good heart and began to think they knew better, then we cannot hear him or neighbor and even ourselves without his steadfast love pursuing us and healing us. Jesus heals this man in Mark chapter 7. And do you see the kindness of it? There's a lot going on here, biblically, theologically, some Old Testament, lots of Old Testament references in just these handful of verses. And yet, I don't want us to miss the human side of it also. Jesus is kind. And you know the difference, nice and kind, right? Kind is much more for the other. Nice is kind of sweet regardless. Oscar Wilde said, a friend stabbed you in the front. getting at the difference between niceness and kindness. Jesus stabbed no one. But sometimes it's very confrontational, And sometimes um, asks more questions. Sometimes answers questions directly. A little more often than that, he answered questions indirectly. And yet sometimes like this, it's very easy to see textually his human kindness towards this man. One of the reasons that he pulls the man aside is to dignify the man. Just like today, he was considered less than because of his hearing and speech issues. And Jesus didn't want him to be a spectacle. And so, in a a a very human way that I think we can understand, Jesus, who has the power to heal him, takes him aside. Jesus sighs, compassionately. Every once in a while, though not often at all for a church our size, someone in the church either makes a foolish decision or does something that challenges me, and I'll call one of our elders, and I say, I need a sigh, and he always makes me earn it. He says, you're going to have to earn it. You're going to have to tell me the story, and so I do, and most of the time, I earn a sigh, and the sigh is, we wish it weren't like that. Usually, it's a story of compassion. We're hurting together and praying together, and I'm not violating anyone's uh, request for anonymity when I do this. Jesus' sigh is full of compassion one of the reasons that uh, he pulls the man aside also is he's no magician. The men and women, this is in Lebanon that this happened, the, the region of the ten cities near Damascus, if you're familiar with the book of Acts in that area, they would have expected, they knew Jesus was powerful, so they bring the man to him expecting to see kind of a magic show. And that doesn't mean they weren't for the man with the speech impediment and, and the uh, hearing loss, but they were excited. And Jesus wasn't interested in that. He wasn't interested in being perceived as a magician because he's not a magician. He also didn't care for uh, the kind of attention that this was going to gain for him yet. Eventually, Jesus is very comfortable with the amount of attention that he gets. And the reason is it was distracting from his mission. You see, the book of Mark, and, and many of you are very familiar with it, Jesus often does... Profoundly amazing works. And then he tells people to be quiet about it. And the reason is the people had a natural misconception of him. Now, these are mostly Gentiles, but there were also Jewish men and women there. And they had expectations. I think the one most specific to this is uh, this is not an expectation of Jesus, this is a perception of Jesus that fits in with the magician. They sort of thought he was a wandering prophet. Prophets oftentimes were able to perform miracles for the same reason that Jesus performed miracles. Miracles always support the message of the person, which is part of the reason sometimes Jesus doesn't perform as many miracles. It's because people weren't listening. And so there's a perception, not an expectation, that Jesus is a, a wandering prophet. And to dissuade them of that, Jesus both takes the man aside privately and tells him not to talk about it. Of course, he does anyway. I wonder if you see him by faith I wonder how your imagination does with a text like Mark 7. I wonder if you can hear his voice. If you're interested, you don't have to do this. I can't control anybody, not even the animals that live in my house. I might invite you to close your eyes for just a moment and consider his sigh. Sigh that the man is perceived as less than. The disease exists. The natural deafness of humans to the love and especially the voice of God. You can open your eyes or close them if you listen better that way or if you fell asleep. It's all right. I know people get tired, <laughs> preachers don't last if they can't handle people sleeping while they talk. <laughs> but I know the question, well, I guess, they, I guess that's why some people yell, probably. It's not so much they wanna get their attention. Don't go off on that tangent, Matt. <laughs> but I know the question that you're wondering about. And I, wanna, I, want us, I want us to deal with this a little bit, but I don't want us to over-worry about this. First of all, where did he spit? We have three options, right? Did he spit on the ground? Did he spit in the man's mouth? Did he spit on his hands? And, and we don't know. Mark is very comfortable telling us the story. He probably heard it at the feet of Peter many, many, many times. And Jesus is comfortable with tension. I'm comfortable with awkwardness, and you can pray for me because that doesn't always make me a great pastor that I'm comfortable with awkwardness, or even often. Jesus is comfortable with tension, We looked at this yesterday while we were together doing a funeral, those that were able to be there. Jesus is comfortable engaging Mary and Martha in grief as he is also grieving his friend Lazarus, even as he's about to uh, raise him from the dead. Here, Mark, recording Peter, is comfortable with what Jesus did and doesn't tell us. I can tell you why he spit, though. It's not because he needed to. Jesus sometimes heals people that aren't in the same city as he is. Jesus' words, Jesus' mission, Jesus' very being, and therefore saliva, heals what it comes into contact with. Every place that the curse has affected the world, and especially men and women, Jesus' very being heals and rolls back that curse. The kingdom that he describes in Mark chapter 1, the kingdom is at hand, repent and live that kingdom is brought in through his person and it unbinds this man in multiple ways from the way that the curse was affecting him. Throughout the ministry of Jesus he'll heal people that probably caused uh, the, the, the pain or disease that they have. In this case, I think that that's probably not the case because it's not made clear and yet it's the curse. It's, it's just the same, it's the curse that this man is under. I'm really comfortable not knowing where he spit because it's not the point of the story. The point of the story is this man was given voice and hearing because without Jesus' pursuing love, he would not have had it. Jesus was healing as he taught. You might remember from Mark chapter 7 or perhaps from the sermon last week for those that were here, Jesus is teaching a number of things. First, he was uh, pointing out to the religious leaders that they had developed traditions that thwarted the very word of God. The commands of neighbor love are thwarted by religious activity. How ironic, how human. To develop religious traditions that actually block us from loving our neighbors well and, of course, loving God well. Also, that was called Corbin. Corbin is when you would give money to the church in, that you had saved up to take care of your parents, which is very important. It's the first neighbor love commandment. It looks like generosity, but it's actually a violation of love for God and for neighbor. Jesus had just taught this. Then he heals the man. Do you see how the healing supports the message? We're so deaf to God's love naturally, that instead of follow his first command about loving neighbor, we're gonna build another tradition so that we can ignore it but make people think we're generous. Those were the laws of Corbin. As Jesus is teaching this and moving around, Gentiles are hearing, just before this section, the Syrophoenician woman, through a knowledge of her need, presses in and the disciples see that the love of God is for everyone to become children. In Acts chapter 21 and 27, churches are listed in this area because they heard him. They knew their need and they listened and they heard. They knew that race and culture and religious practices will not heal our deafness. And in fact, when we idolize those things. When we treat them as as first order parts of our lives instead of God, then they actually act as deafening agents in our lives. Religious practices block us from receiving the love of God if we don't start with the love of God but instead start with if I do this, God will be happy. As opposed to God is happy with me because of the work of Christ. Therefore, of course, I want to pray. In addition to that, in Mark 7, Jesus, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees were criticizing his disciples because they weren't washing their hands correctly, their dining couches correctly, or their utensils correctly. These, again, are traditions that they built onto the law that acted as spiritual deafening agents. And don't they just show how spiritually anemic we are naturally in the things that we choose to do to make God happy? better wash that dish correctly, better wash the dining couch correctly, better wash our hands correctly, which is important. It's cold in flu season. But it's not what makes God happy. Nothing that we do will merit favor with him. None of our actions can cleanse our hearts. They are far more defiled than that naturally. Then why does he tell the man to be silent? Well, he's not a magician, so he doesn't care for the attention that would come with people perceiving that. He's not a wandering prophet. Jesus' words are prophetic. they are speak in this, Prophecy is speaking truth. It sometimes involves other things. It always involves speaking truth. Jesus is a prophet, but he's not a wandering prophet and nothing else. He's also going to act as the priest for his people until there's no more curse and no more need for one and king. We saw that in Revelation. And at this point in his ministry, people were not understanding yet. And so he's building a foundation for them. Until chapter nine of Mark, when he starts to explain that the Christ is not a wandering prophet. The Christ is not going to overthrow the Roman Empire. The Christ is not going to bring back the nation of Israel as a nation state. The Christ is going to be the suffering servant Described in Isaiah, he's going to atone for the sins of his people and thereby reconcile them to God. The people were not able to hear that yet. So Jesus tells him to be silent. What Jesus is teaching is that we do not hear. There's no mention in this passage of an evil spirit, but the longer I looked at it, the more it reminded me of the times, especially in the book of Mark, that Jesus interacts with an evil spirit. And I know that could seem a little scary. It's actually comforting in one sense to know that there's evil in the world that we cannot see first because Jesus has full power over it. So if you're in Christ, it has no power over you. Secondly, because doesn't the world seem more dark than what we can fully see or sense or understand? Maybe not. To many of us, it does, and to those of you that it does, you're not crazy with respect to your perception of the world. We'll wait on a full opinion. But as Jesus interacts with this man, it reminds me of the way that he interacts with demon. And when you were listening to the um, text, didn't it sound a little interesting the way that the language is put together? I have to open my Bible to make sure I get this right. But Jesus, the the description from Mark as he listened to Peter. And what, was, what Peter perceived happening here are two divine passives. It's a theological, but also a term referencing the Greek. And his ears were opened. It's an interesting turn of phrase. His tongue was released. So something happened that was divine. Something was loosed. Wherever the curse, which, whichever direction it came from, whether it was from the evil one, from the false self of the man, though I don't think that's it, or from the world, the curse that's over the world. That was released by Jesus. The man was unbound through the work of Christ. And I think when we approach a story like this, we often think about it mechanistically. You know? Like, why did he spit? Where did he spit? How come he had to do it that time? Was his power, like, less in the morning than it was in the afternoon? And, we can miss the beauty of the story. In a human-to-human way, Jesus is healing this man out of kindness. And also to support his teaching that we will not hear the voice of God, therefore the voice of neighbor, therefore the voice of God telling us about ourselves without his divine pursuing love, rescuing us, and calling us his own. Then our ears are unstopped. Do not miss that Jesus is grieved about the man and what he's experienced. Jesus is grieved about the curse. Jesus is grieved about the deafness of the people around him. And so he heals that we might respond to the Spirit's call to receive the rescuing love of God by faith. This was predicted hundreds of years before Jesus. Isaiah chapter 29 is it not yet a very little while until lebanon did i mention that this is happening in lebanon okay oh good thanks meg i was like did i say it i can't remember you know is it not yet a very little while until lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field and the fruitful field shall be regarded as a forest and that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see in acts chapter 21 and 27 Churches are listed. I think the Syrophoenician woman and her healed daughter were there. I hope that this man was there, worshiping Jesus and knowing that through faith in him they are fully God's. In Isaiah chapter thirty five, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Again that turn of phrase that it is God that removes the effects of the curse. Because of his steadfast love to his people. And I hope that you see through this Jesus healed as he taught that we do not hear except through him. And through this miracle and through the teachings alongside it, do we we see and hear Jesus by faith clearly? What is the offer that he makes? Do you see it in his interactions with the man? I know no one has ever put both of their fingers in your ears and you're still a little weirded out by that. Jesus was so direct in his love. It's challenging to imagine it. Oftentimes, people think that Christianity is all about the rules. And you know why they think that? Because we don't naturally hear the call of love and the offer of new life. And therefore, when we turn to the commands of Scripture, which you have to get a book and a half into and 70 chapters in before you receive any, other than rest, rest was given before the other commands. Number four, it's a big one. But people think that Christianity is all about the rules because that's what we naturally hear. That's how defiled our hearts are naturally. That's how prone to religion we are naturally. (laughs) We can't hear The pursuing love of God rescuing us from lives of death into lives of life. Do you see the offer through this story that Jesus is telling? The offer is life found in hearing God and knowing that his voice is loving and knowing that he has done all the work we need to do to reconcile us to God. Then when we hear a command we're like, oh thank God that there's guidance in life and how to do it. if not for the Holy Spirit's pursuit of us, if not for Jesus' direct intervention with our ears and with our mouth, we will not hear. And therefore, we will not be able to speak in a spiritual sense. We will not hear the voice of God. It will sound like rules or gibberish. But with the pursuing love of God, unstopping our ears, we hear that he loves us. And because of the work of Christ, we are... Healed back into relationship with Him, and then we receive the Holy Spirit. There is no ability to love the neighbors in our life, not really, not lastingly, without our ears and our mouth being healed and unbound by Christ. And therefore, there's no ability for us to become who we really are. Though we're made in the image of God, we will not be grown into maturity as lovers of Him and neighbor without receiving his love, which begins with him pursuing us and then with us responding by faith. I hope that you see the application. It's very similar to last week. Not only will we not hear the voice of God, we will not be able to hear our neighbors, which means we will not be able to love them. For those of you that are followers of Christ, this is such good news already that through his work, you are able to hear them. If you're not a follower of Christ, I hope you see the offer of life, what it would do for your own heart, and what it would do for the neighbors God has put into your life. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we praise you that your pursuing love has come after us, is coming after us, and will never leave us or forsake us. Jesus, we are so thankful for your work showing us as you teach us of our great need. Lord, would you help us to respond to your pursuing love with our need, for that is all that we need. Holy Spirit, would you heal us from the inside out and grow us up, sanctify us to worship you with joy and abandon in every moment of our lives. Would you grow us up with respect to our neighbors and help us to hear them, for there is no love without hearing. Would you draw us to thankfulness that your pursuing love has come after us, that you have indeed called us from death back into life. Amen.